John, how can you always have the right TV for the right application without carrying hundreds of valves on your truck? You can carry the hundreds of valves on a trailer behind your truck. That's too funny. That would work, but how are you gonna do that? Maybe there's an easier way. You can use Sporland's interchangeable cartridge style Type Q and Type BQ uh, TEVs. Type Q is a conventional design and Type BQ is a balanced port TEV. Well, come on, I need easy. How easy is it? Uh, easy as one, two, three. And it serves thousands of unique applications. So what's the process? How do I put this together? First, you select the thermostatic element assembly. Then you select the body that you need. Then you select the right size cartridge for the application to get the proper capacity TEV for your application. And then I guess it should also be said you want to actually assemble those into a single valve. That'd probably be a good idea. These easy to select and assemble valves mean you're always carrying the right valve for the right job then. If folks want to learn more, what do they do? Uh, you can go to sporland.com and find more information on the Type Q and BQ thermostatic expansion valves. I guess that's Jim and John for Sporland signing off. We've all been there in the middle of a job, everything going smoothly until boom, you're missing a part. United Refrigeration is your one-stop shop for all your refrigeration needs. Use your computer or smartphone to go to www.uri.com at any time of day or night to check stock on your favorite brands, such as Copeland, Sporland, Carlisle Compressors, Danfoss, Emerson CPC Boards and Sensors, Corel, Hussman Parts, and Ketotherm. United Refrigeration Inc. is home to these brands and many more. Looking for information on refrigerant conversions or refrigerant banking? Quick access links on the homepage can get you to the information you need. All approved accounts are able to see live to the minute inventory and pricing. Product not in stock at your local branch? No problem. Use the nearby stock feature to find a local branch that does have what you need. Are you looking for a branch address, phone number, or after hours number? That's all available as well. Just click on the branch locator and search for your local branch. Have a model number and looking for a replacement part? www.uri.com forward slash ARP has a vast list of quick pick replacement parts. Just search for the model number of the equipment you're working on and click the replacement parts tab. If you don't have an account, click the register button and we'll have you online in no time. With more than 400 locations in North America, each United Refrigeration branch is fully stocked for immediate pickup. Our branch employees have in-depth technical knowledge so we can help you get what you need when you need it. Visit your local store or www.uri.com forward slash ARP today. United Refrigeration Inc. has all your solutions down cold. ADHD, that's what it is. That's why. It's, that's why everything's titled so ridiculous. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Advanced Refrigeration Podcast. You're the host, Brett Wetzel and Kevin Compass. It's raining here today. I'm in sunny, humid Houston. Just yeah. hot. So gross. Oh my god. It's yeah, it's usually like 70% humidity. Today it's 110. So it's awesome. Probably one of the most disgusting places I've ever worked. Just just six in the morning. It's just miserably humid. It's not. Yeah, no, it is. It's not. No, it's just it's really humid. Never mind. It is humid. It's like walking outside and you're just like instantly wet. Or if you're walking in a sauna. 
this was like it's, it's like a hot sauna with wet socks yes 100 percent. and then because it just i don't know it, it it houston also floods so someone asked me the first time they came out here with me and they were like hey why is sorry why is there uh why is there uh level uh feet meters you know like un underneath some of the bridges i'm like so you don't drive in if you see feet of water they're like no like, yeah that's what they're for so that's that's wonderful and you know i'm still not done i still like this week i was just covering a little bit of teaching you know because one of one of the cats that i have teaching i had vacation he you know he went out of town and so he came in today he said he was going to be here around noon he showed up right before class ended so I am, I'm, I decided to just leave tomorrow because right now it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculously busy. I, you know, I don't know which it ends up. I actually have to come back down here in two weeks on the 18th for another job fair. What are you doing? Oh, I finally finished one of my EMS jobs after waiting two, two and a half months for door alarms. So I got one done. And uh, hopefully I'm done driving six hours to work and back every day. Yeah. Because that was uh, pretty brutal. Like, just absolutely terrible drive in the middle of nowhere. So can you talk about the mystery DIs? Did you get that figure all figured out? No. <laughs> of them started working, and then other things broke when we updated the firmware. <laughs> so I'm at this point, like, I just gave up. Like, we couldn't get random compressors to proof out so i just at this point i just gave up let me ask you a question has anyone tried to start like just write the program from scratch oh dude like i deleted the entire suction group one day I, no i'm not talking the i'm talking starting straight from scratch nothing on the freaking controller you load everything you know as, as far as i'm concerned that's a manufacturer's problem you you shouldn't have to do that if I, you do that there's a problem with the controller there, there's a problem with the software that is not a me problem that is a them problem it's actually a you problem because you're dealing with it yeah i'm uh not putting after putting 12 hours into compressor proofs trying to figure out why they weren't working like i just i my brain is fried and it just is what it is and then randomly some of the proofs on the hvac did it after i, I did the update <laughs> some, of, some of those start stop working so i just at that point i just wanted to slam my head into the rag panel and just knock myself out that'd be awesome how about did anyone ever think about like downgrading the firmware i i don't know no we just upgraded it you don't want to go no, down. I, no i know but i mean maybe there's an issue with the firmware that you have and you know so I, if it explodes I, I don't know. At this point, like, I gave up about it. Technically, it's not even supposed to be my responsibility. But unfortunately, you care and you want to know what the hell's wrong, right? Yeah, but then I stopped caring about three quarters of the way through that because once I realized it was nothing that I did, it was like, some things are, aren't fixable. I'm sure the store manager would like to hear that. Yeah, you know, some things are just not fixable. Are you kidding me? This store has... They had like four temps before, so mm -hmm. they're they don't want alarms. <laughs> they don't want to know what's going on. No, they, they they did a pretty good job watching their cases, but like that light is not going to last long. That thing is going to be annihilated. 
So they already shoved paper towels in the horn. So <laughs> you come back, there's paper towels shoving the horn, and it's nicely duct taped. You can still see the light, just no horn. <laughs> nice. So I don't know. I got one done. I was supposed to get another one done, but that ain't going to happen because all hell and chaos broke loose for us. So, oh, between what we're going to talk about tonight and everything else, it just everything just fell apart like this this week just went went to shit real quick just like case change outs went bad stuff didn't show up cases showed up damaged stuff missing uh prints wrong engineering wrong stuff like that ended up having to like stop doing what i'm doing and then try to get all this other stuff done then in the midst of that had to go change out two e2s so we changed another condenser and waited around to get licenses. So that's that was the end of my day, basically, is trying to get Comtrol licenses and make sure all the stuff works. Wait, you said Comtrol licenses? Yeah. For, for Emerson? Yeah. Wow. I haven't heard of anyone doing one of those in quite a while. I've had to do four in the last six weeks. And you haven't spoke a word about it? They're like, honestly, simple cake. Yeah, the only bitch is like having to do all the pointers, right? Yeah, but like I do a lot of flexible combiners and stuff, so I'm so used to doing pointers, like it doesn't bother me. It's just, I, I, I think it's just as quick as putting board points in, especially if you do your like homework in the beginning and label the boards. It's It goes pretty quick. Were you assuming you still have the old control shit where you're able to pull back with easy set and stuff and scope oh, out all the software? I just programmed it all by hand. Oh, okay. Like, I just had the board point list and I just programmed it by hand. Well, that, that, that's all I meant. Like, you know, use the program, pull the program back. So you actually just have the, the points list. That's all I meant. No, the, actually, these racks actually had a pretty good. Uh, that and the IL legend wasn't bad. So really? it, was, it was pretty close. Well, we, well, you know, when there's four temp sensors in an entire store, it's pretty easy. All right, yeah, I yeah, I wasn't really thinking of, of that. Do they have the high voltage DI boards that you love so much? Those things. I oh my god, I despise those things. Let me tell you. No, I know. The first time I I, I learned about those, I set a whole train of Dan Foss boards on fire. <laughs> I know. <laughs> whole train. I smoked an entire board train of and it was a long one too. It was like seven boards. <laughs> It was right in the middle, and this is like one of the first rack changeovers I did. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I had no help, and we tried to do two racks at the same time, me and this other kid. I had to quit helping. I had to quit what I was doing the entire time, keep going to help him. Well, I tried to do the entire rack at the same time, shut the thing off for two hours. Yeah. I turned it all back on. It turned on for a second. The first compressor kicked, and here came the smoke and fireworks. Yeah, I, I remember because you called me. It was like, hey, did you know that, you know, the control input boards have a high voltage version? I'm like, yes. And you're like, I found that shit out today. <laughs> you know how many people that it's gotten? It got one of my guys the other day, too. He went to go move a point to a CPC board. Mm-hmm. It was on one of those high voltage and boom. Oh, but Dan Foss makes a high voltage board. 
Yes, there. Uh, besides Comtroll, Dan Foss is the only one. So I forget what the number was. I used to know it, but yeah, it's a version of input board that can take up to 240. I refuse volts. to use them. I put in relays because I'm not a jerk. I put in relays and make them dry contacts. And that because you don't want someone to get injured, right? Because they're not very well, like they're not used very frequently. I'm, I'm sure they're super convenient when you're trying to do like, you know, a gang clock changeover where you have to have the termination solenoid, you know, for, you know, the high voltage coming back for the termination solenoid. And I get that, but I also understand like most cats don't know about, you know, the input board having 240. So you're like, oh, dry set of contacts, 14 gauge wire. Why is that? Yeah, that. And then I'm just worried about what happens if one of those shorts, what happens if somebody drops something there, it's, then it's going to smoke an entire board train and it's, it's not worth it. For the cost of eight DIN rail mounted 24 volt or you know 120 or 240 volt relays this is cheap you can buy it on amazon for 20 bucks oh, yes, sir. that's where i buy a lot oh dude the relays are expensive man I, I just bought a shit ton of them they're expensive you're buying them in the wrong places i literally just bought what was it like 12 240 volt like double pull double throw ice cube relays that are din mount for like 60 bucks yeah, I guess I'm not using a certain place anymore then. I just use Amazon. Well, I mean, you know. Same with DINRAIL. Dude, DINRAIL is so much cheaper on Amazon than it is if you're going to, like, an electrical supply house. Yeah, I know. It, it's like a quarter of the price. Same with cable tray. That was the other thing, too. I bought a shit ton of Panduit for all those, you know, those panel panels that I built for the trainers. Oh, my God. It's just plastic, man. <laughs> Panduit literally is... They just rip you off. Like no, you they don't. Buy, they don't rip you off. Why do you? Well, why do you say shit like that? Because it is a rip off. Like you could buy, you could buy 3M or you could buy the Chinese brand for a quarter of the price. It literally is molded plastic. We're in America. For what they charge for it, it is ridiculous. We're in America. Yeah, I, that's why I could say that it's ridiculously overpriced. And you can go buy some 3M stuff for the same price for a quarter of the price, same product. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, I just got panels and save it anyway. You suck. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Oh, if you get the wrong case, right? If you get the wrong case, and let's just say you have a electric defrost case, and you need to convert that shit over to uh, hot gas, right? So, and, and vice this, versa. This just happened this week. Oh, that's gay. Not one case, not Nine. two cases, 36 cases. Who knows? Someone didn't look at the submittal. No, they did. And all the cases are tagged hot gas. And uh, yeah, surprise. All right. Well, that sucks. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you want to go electric to hot gas first? Yeah, so we'll go electric to hot gas, guys. So, like, when you're doing this, obviously, you're getting these cases in here, and most of the time, like, you've already got the old cases broken apart and out. And uh, I don't know about you, but 26-year-old cases don't usually go back together very well. And most of the time, you're they're getting the Sawzall. You're committed at this point. And uh, I don't know about you, about everybody else, but, like, most of the deliveries are never on time. Mm -hmm. So we're getting cases out we're waiting for cases to come in and uh, lo and behold the cases come and they have are all piped for electric defrost meaning you have no auxiliary side connector no return check valve 
no electrical components for for this you have just electric heaters unless you have electric heater power ran out there you're up the creek so i have a question about that because those auxiliary side connectors usually aren't a thing that that exists readily available so surprisingly there's a supply house out here called ilco like massive refrigeration supply house they, they probably have one of the best sales guys i've dealt with around here this guy has he deals with all the supermarket shops so mm -hmm. he keeps stuff like this on hand shout out to ilco yeah so like they generally have auxiliary side connectors on hand mm -hmm. and then we have some of the shop because this happens quite a bit okay and then we were able to get some from united to keep us, you know, whatever we, we needed to keep us going. So basically, you got to source these auxiliary side connectors. One more question. How about the the nozzles? Because obviously, you know, the auxiliary side connectors, you know, need to have the nozzles installed in them. Are they the same nozzles that are currently in the old distributors? With these ones, some of them are spoiling distributors, so we're going to get lucky on that. Mm-hmm. The lineup that we had to make work that we took out took some is going to take some work. So we got to get the distributor offices out and we had to remove them and uh, change them around. Now, the real bitch of this is getting the orifice out. So that's what I was going to say. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been a little bit easier, you know, because I mean, it was obviously the old cases were hot gas defrost, right? I'm assuming they also were, were with the same gas, but I mean, you know, I'd assume they would have. You know, if it has four distributors on one, you probably have probably four on the other. Is that not the case? Because theoretically, you could have unsweated everything. And some of them were five feeds, some of them were four feeds. Oh, so, man. so what we ended up doing is they're going to move those ones around tomorrow mm -hmm. and repipe them, and then we got to get the orifices out. So easiest way to get the orifices out that I have found, because what happens is they get stuck because the silver solder. So you got to end up heating up the distributor like, you know, nice and warm and shove a drywall screw into the orifice. So you shove a drywall screw or an easy out into the orifice, get it in there. That way you have something to pull against because you're going to have to pull it out uh, as you heat up the silver solder. And then what you have to do is you have to put this auxiliary side connector in and you have to put it in between the TXV and the auxiliary or you have to put the distributor orifice in between the TXV and the auxiliary side connector. So basically what you have to do is open up flow from the distributor around the auxiliary side connector. So that way you have full flow because if you just put a T there, you're not going to get the flow you need. Like mm -hmm. a, a lot of old guys used to do it in cases that they continuously ice up. It's because of that. Now the rest of these cases, the manufacturer is sending us out kits mm -hmm. Because we have to convert all of them. So, you, so you're going to need, like you said, you need the auxiliary side port connector. You're going to need the right port because the nozzle is not supposed to be in where the distributor is, especially if you're putting the auxiliary side port because, like you said, it'll cause a, a lack in defrost. And then you also need, obviously, the check valve. Are they supplying the T then to connect the check valve to the liquid line then? So we have to do all that. So another thing with that, like if you guys are doing this, you need to make sure you tee it in after the hand valve. So that way, if this thing is iced up and you shut the hand valve off, it still has 
flow and defrost. So you want to have it on the rack side of the hand valve, not on the case side of the hand valve. You want the T on the case side or the rack side of the hand valve. So that way, if it goes into defrost and it's iced up and you have the hand valve off, you still have reverse flow backwards. But it also helps you out with diagnosing too. So like sometimes, you know, you can, as far as when you have the, you know, let's just say you have some weird liquid flow issue. You got some craziness going on with the pressures and stuff. If you shut off the hand valve and you, your superheat still continues to either stay the same or drop, then you know that, you know, your liquid check valve is bleeding by the way it's not supposed to. Or it is in backwards, which has been a huge issue here lately with new cases. Really? So probably about one in every 15 glass doors. <clears throat> it's to the point where all the fitters are checking it now before they, they finish their tie-ins because it's been that much of a problem here lately. So, the, the, you know, the, which, which style of check valve has to, you know, tell everyone what the check valve style has to be. What do you mean? Does it, does it have to be a, like a magnet check? Or does it have to be a spun one? Does it have to be one of those Danfoss ones? What, you know, does it matter? It doesn't matter. It, it could be whatever. A check valve is a check valve. Okay. Most of the time we see MAGA checks. Okay. I don't really see anything in cases besides MAGA checks anymore because they're cheaper. They're not putting in. There's no point in putting a rebuildable check valve in there. It's, it's so small and cheap that you would just burn it in real quick other than, you know, rebuilding it. And plus, everybody's worried about leak points. So we're, what we're using is this copper spun check valve. So you want to make sure you're not flowing backwards through those hand valves because a lot of hand valves are directional too. So there's an actual diaphragm in there. So you could flex the diaphragm up and block the pipe. Yeah. So you need to make sure it, it, that's done that way. Now, that is the easy part. On the rest of these cases, we're getting distributor kits from the manufacturer. They're sending out distributor kits. So that's not the extra piece. That's the actual distributor with the nozzle already in it, with the distributor tubes and the orifice already installed Correct. on, you know, so basically the side port is already in the actual distributor. It's not an Correct. extra piece you have to install. So it's six joints. It's, you know, all the joints on there and then, then the TXV joint. And then all we got to do is pipe in the liquid. Now that's like the easy part. Now comes the real bitch is you got to rewire the entire case. Oh, I have another question. So with, with, you know, were these supposedly, were they supposed to have a, uh, oh my God, termination solenoid in there? So no, not with this customer. Okay. I'm just asking because, you know, if, if people don't know that, you know, typically they'll do a normally open solenoid on the dump line coming out of the side of either the auxiliary side port or the, you know, side port distributor. So when it's done, you know, defrosting, if the other ones still haven't hit temperature, hot gas on the whole circuit can still roll. And then it just shuts down that one, you know, that one case at a time. I you know, can't so it doesn't overheat the coil. <laughs> they they hide bad piping. They're piped correctly. You don't need those. I don't know. The guys mess with them, and then they're such a nightmare to troubleshoot. You're in there ripping apart all the cases to get to them and figure out what's going on, because guys mess with the stats for them all the time. But this is one more thing to fail. I disagree with you. It's just one more thing. If, if they're piped properly, you, you never have an issue. I still disagree. Because most guys don't pipe them right. I still disagree. That's fine. Most guys don't pipe hot gas cases right. They don't blow the, they don't blow the lines up properly or have the expansion loops inside the case. You're talking about the, you're talking about the end 
where you're supposed to have what is it a five or an eight inch stub at the end usually it's four but it's it's whatever it has to be equal on both sides but not so much that like the expansion loops on the liquid so you need it looks like a like a u almost it looks like a, like a trap so you need that and then it needs to come out of a header that's double the size so if you're if your liquid line feeding your case is five eighths it needs to be inch and an eighth inside the case the header inside the case needs to be inch and eighth it needs to be double the size of what's in there I put a so hold on. So I thought if it's three eighths, it, so this is this was my understanding, and maybe I'm wrong. I thought if, if the liquid line going into the case is, is three eighths, then you have to go up two eighths, right? So essentially, if you know four eighths would be half inch, then you know five eighths, or you, you know, you, you're what would you do go all the way up to seven eighths? So it, it depends what's feeding the entire circuit, so not just the case. So if it's if you've got a five eighths line feeding that entire circuit. So you blow it up two pipe sizes. So you blow it up to inch and an eighth. So the header inside the case or the header on top of the case is where they all tied into, that liquid header would be inch and an eighth. So it would have a five eighths line feeding into an inch and an eighth header. Today's episode is sponsored by the RefRushield RDP series differential pressure monitors from Westermeyer Industries, now available for transcritical CO2 systems in addition to other common pressures and refrigerants when the filter element of your coalescing oil separator is contaminated, it can hurt your system's performance and efficiency. But how do you know when it's time to replace that filter? Wait too long to replace and you could end up with a nasty filter blowout. But replacing too often can be a waste of time and money. The answer is installing a differential pressure monitor. The RDP series differential pressure monitors, including the new transcritical CO2 model, are available now from Westermeyer Industries. To find out more information, email sales at westermeyerin.com. That's W-E-S-T-E-R-M-E-Y-E-R-I-N-D-C-O-M. That is how you... Five-eighths five hot gas line? No, like liquid line. Oh, so you're oh you're talking oh I'm sorry you're so you're not just the liquid line on the actual case the entire feeding the cases so you have your line coming in from the rack okay it's going to get to the cases whether they're top fed or bottom fed if they're bottom fed you're going to have that line come in it's going to tee into a header the header is going to run the entire length of the case both ways mm -hmm. and that header is going to pick up all the other cases and that header should be double the pipe size of whatever line is feeding it. That is how you properly pipe hot gas. I just wanted to hear you say hetero bunch. You're such a dick. I was, I'm joking. I'm joking. I really wanted to hear you explain it. Sorry. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> start saying you start saying some Philly words. Just wait. I gotta go. I gotta go there on the. So, uh, so that whole next week, you're gonna just be talking like you're straight from. Oh my, no! So that no, that's not until I, I think I'm leaving for Philly on the. I don't know the week of the twenty first or something like that. So when I come back, I'm gonna get a Philly pretzel, get some water down by the river, and yeah. then I'm gonna go to Kensington Avenue. The, the whole next week is just gonna and be. I get to go to fucking Jersey. Yeah, the whole next week is just gonna, it's gonna be, be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. Great, just Philadelphia accent. <laughs> so expect that shit. But yeah, so like the pipe and the refrigeration side of it, that's not the big issue. The bigger issue becomes the electrical, because remember now you got these heaters in here, so. You got two things. I'm not taking the heaters out. That's a ton of work. And me personally, I don't want to rip apart a bunch of brand new cases. So 
they're not getting taken out. They're, the wire's getting cut back, and they're out of the way. And when they ice up, somebody can rip them out if they want to rip them out. They're not gonna, they're not gonna cause anything. Now, no. usually your drain rod heaters, those are usually a, they're they're usually the same voltage most mm-hmm. of the time. So you don't really have to worry about those. But what you do have to worry about is how they're shutting the fans off because some case manufacturers use the defrost power to shut the fans off via yeah. relay yeah so husband does that they have that little relay in there so when it gets the electric from the defrost heaters it basically de-energizes the the fan and starts up the pan so i'm assuming and and correct me if i'm wrong you could probably take a clicks on of sorts or like a ranko controller and hook it directly up to the suction line so it's you know because the if it's a suction feed you know from you know for the hot gas going in the suction you know reverse flow or whatever that's the first place to get hot and the last place to get cold. So technically that should, if you have it on the suction line, it, you know, it, it should cut it out as soon as it even remotely starts to get warm. Correct. So you, if you get it from the OEM, you need to have a clicks on there. Me personally, I would rather have a Johnson controls, a four nineteen. I like, I like the Ranco zero. Was it zero six zero one zero zero? The one that they usually put on the back of the bone evaporators for the fan pan heater for the walk-ins. 50-50 with those because they're bitched them out in a case raceway. Like oh. they, those are nice for those are nice for you know coils, but like put it in a raceway of a case. It's a so you get you get a memory, you get a fit in the raceway. So no, no, I get you, but I I don't think I know the one that you're talking about. What did you say? It was Johnson Control what? I think a Johnson Control Penstat. Like a a like a four nineteen, like you know, a like, nineteen or whatever. Yeah, like a four nineteen, or is it an a nineteen? The four nineteen is okay. the digital one, but like the a nineteen, like you know the 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 cheap like thirty dollars stat that like the, is the regular yeah the regular one with a six foot bulb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Get it. So okay. I prefer those just for the fact that you could adjust them, and I like to cut my fans out really you know like 10, 15 degrees. I like. I'd rather have the fans off as soon as I can get them off because I'd rather have, I'd rather have that hot gas rolling through there. So I have a faster defrost. Now, so, let me ask you a question on these cases that you're already dealing with. Do they already have a fan delay clicks on in there? No, they don't. So then you got to make sure that it gets cold enough before you kick it back on the suction line there before it kicks on. Why? Well, that's what's that? that? Husband doesn't do that. Yeah, I know, but in the electric cases, they just let her roll. You know what? Like, I never understood that those cases never have a problem. Hmm. They never have frost buildup hmm. anywhere in the case. They get moisture sometimes at the top, but like they don't. If you look at everybody else's case, there's shit all over them. See, my my thing is if that's why I like the, I, I have been able to put like in the older Tyler cases. You know, I haven't ever tried it in the newer cases, but. I was able to do one of the you know, the Ranco controllers, and the only reason why I like those ones is because the you know you could adjust the range you know fairly you know fairly wide, so you know I'll cut it out as as soon as it gets remotely warm, you know like you said 15, 20 degrees, and then you could bury that stat down to zero degrees you know or five degrees or whatever, and wait for that whole thing to get before you kick on the fans. Yeah, it's nice. Those are like few and far between. Nobody really carries Ranco out here. It's actually like pretty rare to see Ranko stuff out here, hmm. but I don't know. Like the Johnson Control one, like it's common. You can keep like ten of them on the truck, and they cost forty bucks. No, so, I get it. I just like the adjustable range. I'm just being, I'm just being a pansy. 
Oh yeah, those are adjustable to a point, but it's not a true fan delay like that Ranko. Like that is designed to be a fan delay. But so you need to make sure that your fans shut off somehow. If it's hot gas, obviously you got to make sure you, your fans shut off somehow. So you got to have a fan clicks on in there. And then you need to also make sure at the same time you're killing the um, fans and then energizing the heater for the drain. And then some of these cases you really need to watch because they shut the anti-sweats off when you're in defrost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they do this so you don't overamp the circuit. Not just that, but there's no need for it, right? If you're not blowing cold air out of the honeycombs, you know, down towards the door frames, there's no reason to try to heat them up. Right? Well, no, I'm serious. And it's for to protect the circuit because so frame heaters on a five door pull four and a half amps. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got three five doors in a row. Uh -huh. You're almost to 15 amps. Yeah, but it's resistive heat. There's no inrush. You know, we were talking about we were talking about that today in class because like how they're on the contactors, you know, and you know how basically there's a resistive load and then there's an inductive load. You know, and the inductive load is usually lower because you know it, it compensates for the fact that when that you know inductive load starts up whether it be a motor or whatever, you know, it counts account for that inrush so you don't overamp the contact totally. Yeah, but here's the thing. So mm. say you're drawing, you know, 14, 15 amps and you're on a 20 amp circuit. Okay. Brain mm -hmm. rod heaters are two, two and a half amps a piece. Maybe they should have upped the size of the engineering. Just a thought. I'm just saying. So like that, it's, that, oh so now you're on a 20, this is a 20 amp minimum for the case. You're a 20 amp minimum. So, or 20 amp maximum, I think. So you have that 20 amp, you have that 20 amp that that overcurrent on there for the that, that you have to maintain. So you're right there. So that's why they kill that's why they kill the anti-sweat heaters in those cases. So that way you don't overamp your fan circuit. Mm. So that's just one thing you gotta watch out for. You gotta yeah. wire all that in and you gotta have those relays working, you know, properly. And you when you go through this, you need to test it all. You need to test it, throw it through defrost, make sure your fans drop out, make sure your drain rod heater energizes, make sure the heat the heaters for the doors drop out if you are using that. But so you, you basically have to go find a wiring diagram for a hot okay. gas and then wire it like that and try to make it look as neat as possible. Now we've had to do the reverse too. We've had to do we've had hot gases come cases come out as electric. That seems like it would be a hell of a lot easier because there's not really, there's no piping. Like, I mean, you, you know, what do you do? You, you pin, you, what's that? It's, it, there's no piping, but it's a pain in the ass because who wants to put a bunch of back heaters in? That's the only thing I was about to say. Cause I was like, as far as the piping, I mean, it's easy. You pin, you could freaking pinch off the, you know, pinch off the check valve, cut it, braise it shut, braise the other section so you don't have any bleed by ever, you know, just by accident. I leave. Because what if they, what if the store ends up going to hot gas? We've done it before. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, getting those heaters in the back of the back of those cases is not always fun. You know, you got some some manufacturers where you have to lift up multiple panels individually on the back wall in order to get the the L bracket at the very end that you know basically connects the back wall to the coil. You know, to get that out, you got to lift all these individual panels, and and that's just playing with a guillotine. So that's really fun. Nobody has ever designed a coil that is technician friendly. To change a heater, fuck the uh, front heater. The front uh, heater should never go bad. It, it's it's the rear heater ninety nine percent of the time. 
Tyler. Really? Ever change a co- a heater in a Tyler case? I think I've changed like one or uh, you know like one or two. Like even their coffin or the coffin cases are stupid easy. I, I love the the cattle prod ones from the in the return air. Seriously, what? I hate you. What? They're out of business, and it legitimately happened. By the way, I don't care. Next subject, Jesus. But no, like those heaters. They I've never had a Tyler glass door heater go bad. Like they just don't fail. Built in, built in America, they those things are built like tanks. Those, those cases like never die. They're not they're not wish.com heaters. No, but I will say this though, Hill what? Phoenix, like for the most part, their glass doors come out with auxiliary side connectors already in them. The what? what say it again. The Hill doors and the Zero Zone doors of lately have come out. Even if you order them electric, they come out with an auxiliary side connector already in them. Makes sense because then you don't have to buy, you know, rather buy one, you know, one whole manufacturer of it. And what's nice about I, I like the fact that I don't know if Hill still does it because, you know, as you say, I don't do anything anymore. Well, they used to paint, you know, they used to paint the distributors to let you know what nozzle size is actually in there. They stopped doing that a while ago. No, that's dumb. But like from a manufacturer standpoint, the it I see both sides of it because your margin for this up is way less because if you do it's going to cost way less money because those auxiliary side connectors are hard to get that's where it's going to come into and if you already put them in there say it cost you 15 dollars to get them from a manufacturing standpoint it's going to be 15 bucks it's going to be you know a couple hundred bucks for me to put it in the field yeah true I would rather see like that. Some of the hill coffins already come. They come pipe for both. Really? Yeah. Crack valves installed everything. Hmm. So it's ready to go no matter what. Hmm. You know, they actually, I was looking at an IOM the other day because I was having, someone was having a problem with, you know, one of those cases and they actually changed, you know, remember how like on the hill case, it used to say three to five degrees superheat, no matter what. Yeah, they actually, they actually changed it now that now it's three to five for low temp and six to eight for medium temp. I just run everything three to five. Yeah, I know. Just it, just, it just seems to just hum better. Yeah, it just gives it more, you know, good flow. Good flow. Super heat. It is. But uh, I've been converting that. We've had to do coils here lately, too. We've had coils come out wrong and we've had to repipe coils to electric defrost from electric defrost to hot gas. No, no pans though. Like that is, I am totally against hot gas drain pans. They what? don't work for the shit. I I will take an electric drain pan any day over a hot gas drain pan. Just way too many issues. Really? I see way more drain icing up, way more issues with that. Like I would any day, hands down, take electric heaters in the drain pan. Hmm. But again, like I'm, I'm totally against hot gas walking coils. Why? I absolutely despise it. I would much have hot. I would rather have electric for the simple reason: if that thing ices up, I could lock the heaters on for two or three hours, and the thing's de-iced. And you can't do that with hot gas. No. Why? Because it, a, it's affecting everything else, and b, like most of the time when a coil's that thick. It doesn't defrost very well. Yeah, usually because of the the, the air that's created. You know, I've I've seen it 
you know, it, when we did industrials, it, you know, you'd climb up on the lift and, and you know, we, let's just say something happened where a solenoid wasn't feeding defrost, right? Or something happened where the drain backed up and then all that water sat in there and then refroze. What was nice about industrial, you can keep that bitch running for two days. You know, it's a big ass central system, multiple thousands of horsepower compressor. You know, all we would do is, you know, find the, where the drain hole is, plug it up, physically plug it up. Because what would happen is if you wouldn't plug it up and then the water would melt, you know, from the ice or the ice would melt in the water. But, you know, then it would, if it would go down the drain, then now you have heated pan, air and then ice. Ooh. So we'd plug up the drain. Yeah. So it would, it would take forever. So we'd plug up the drain, find where the drain is, plug it up. And then once you do that, you put a tarp around the back, around the front and let it cook. Hey, I'll see you in two days. <laughs> you got 60 more evaporators in that walk and we'll be back. So that's the thing. I'll do that with electric. Just make sure there's no sprinkler head behind it. One of my buddies <laughs> forgot about that and he went to break and came back and the fire alarm was going off. And he's like, what idiot set the fire alarm off? <laughs> and then he saw the water flowing out of the walk-in and was like, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm an yeah. idiot. So no, I, I had a similar situation. I was working. This is when I first started working for a company doing the industrial. And we were, I was working with them. That we were replacing, replacing the drain pan heaters for something because something happened with sizing. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened. But everything was iced up. And this guy pulls down, pulls out of his truck a torch down torch that you use for like torching down tar roofs, right? I used to torch down when I was a kid with my dad. And, you know, you basically light this thing with a big ass torch, the, the, you know, the head of it's four inches. So you're literally, he pulls this thing out. I'm like, what are we doing with that? He's like, we're going to do that coal real quick. So we get up in the walk in and he's doing this and he's going back and forth on the coal, not really spending much time on it. And the door, in correlation with the walk-in, the door was probably four feet, you know, lower than, you know, the top of the walk-in. But the walk-in wasn't, like, super, super tall. And I remember looking up and laughing to myself. I'm like, huh, it says it's 113 degrees in here. Not two seconds later after I thought that, all of a sudden I heard, Psh, and I was like, what did you hit? What did you hit? He's like, I, I wasn't even on the thing. I wasn't even on the thing. You know, the sprinkler heads bust at 130 degrees? So I know a guy that did that too. He said he did it inside of a walk-in. <clears throat> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good time. Definitely not would not use a blowtorch. No, that and and that's I learned a very valuable lesson. SDS. Don't ever do it. The, ever. SDS, the SDS is the real champ for that. SDS. Like the, the the good hammer drills, like expensive gas hammer drills, like the ones that don't look like a drill. They look like a no. He was shooting the coil, Kev. Oh, he was like like playing Ghostbusters with the coil, trying to get all the ice build up because the small someone... I went to for a while in between when I quit Client Pros. Mm-hmm. That's how they de-ice coils before when I got there. It was they were using acetylene torches, like they were in their B tanks. I'm like, what is going on? You're in a closed walk-in with a B. Yeah, this guy's in there with a weed torch. Like I understand what you're saying, like. Like it's, yeah, like a weed hooked torch. Up to an L, yeah, hooked up to an LP freaking tank. It, that's retarded. Blasting away. The walk-in was the size of a like a small vehicle. You know what I mean? It wasn't a small, it was probably but 50 horsepower, 40 horsepower, something fairly large. But still, blowtorch. Bad yeah. idea. 
No, I, that's why I like electric defrost because like you could just let it cook, and it it gets the coil still hot, even though it's you know the hot gas is getting from the tubes. But the problem with most EMS controllers is when you lock the hot gas on. Say if you lock a defrost on the circuit group, even though it's locked on defrost, the the main differential valve is done in the software, so you got to lock that too. So this is more room for failure. And then if something else goes into defrost, now that's getting a crappy defrost. And then you really got to watch it because now you're feeding, if you could starve out your cases. Yeah, so, or, or you can make it, make the freaking thing go off on high pressure. I mean, you know, we've discussed this before where, you know, once you get to that point where you're vapor in and vapor out, you know, the, the OLDR, the DDR starts losing its differential and then it starts clamping down. So if you have a DDR, you could potentially go off on a higher, you know, high pressure it's clamping down so high and if you have the oldr you, you could potentially drain out your or you know max out your receiver up to 100 percent because it's not letting any liquid flow out that's why electric defrost for coils is the real champ because you can get that thing nice and warm by your while you're doing other stuff go clean the motor room go clean your truck go do something just get it nice and warm and let it let it cook and just keep an eye on it you can just watch it. Watch the term sensor just slowly trail up, gets to about 32 degrees, flat lines, and then just starts heading up. And you know, it's so you're about to be defrosted. Go ahead. So, back to what we were talking about. Sorry, we like totally segued out. The, you know, what is the easiest way that you found as far as having to install heaters in a case that wasn't originally set, you know, set up for? for you know for electric defrost because like you know you said that you have to rewire it obviously and try to make it look pretty which is you know not always the easiest so what i do as far as the, the you know connecting the heater to the coil i, I usually use like four, 14 gauge copper wire and yep. then loop, loop it around and twist it like a bread tie you know what i mean because 12 gauge would be way too thick and and you know you'll potentially damage the coil bailing wire is you know kind of tough you know you know soft you know soft you know 14 gauge you know, copper wire seems to do the trick for it. What do you think? So two things, fence posts or their bailing pliers, I think they're called, mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. twist, they're made to twist like fence post stuff. Those work real well. So, so what I diamonds. do, yeah, but th- this is made to get a good twist on there. So, and it's, it's a little, it's a little easier than you, you pull up on it and it's, it's a little easier than twisting linemen's around. Okay. But the, so fence, so using wire, like you said, or I switched to stainless zip ties. That's right. You did mention that. So I bought stainless metal zip ties off Amazon and a zip tie gun that's made to crimp them. Now I use these a lot for temp sensors on like suction lines, discharge lines, stuff like that on the racks. Makes it look, you know, cleans it up a little bit other than a zip tie. Makes it look a little nicer, gives it a little more sturdy, but they work fairly well for the cases because they're still rigid so Mm -hmm. you bend them in kind of a loop and fish them through a tube Mm -hmm. around a tube now what i generally try to do is if you have husman or hill phoenix they usually have dead tubes in there meaning like they have hollow tubes that aren't used i try to connect the heaters to those tubes because i don't give a shit if i crank on them a lot of times there's not one there most of the time there's usually one or two in the back wall because they're there to, to, you know, to make the coil more rigid. So mm-hmm. usually, 
usually there's one or two of them, but whatever. The Husman ones, as far as I, I've seen, the bracket that holds the coil is the same bracket that is the hockey holds the hockey ass coils. So it's the I'm I'm assuming they're probably stamping them all the same and just using the same bracket. Mm-hmm. So it already has the cutouts in there. So the Husman ones are easy. You just mm-hmm. gotta, you know, fold the things down. I've never done a zero zone one as far the all the zero zone coils I've seen the, the heater's been on the bottom of the coil. What's that? I, I understand what you're saying. Like it, it, yeah, it's like on the it's weird. It's like part of the heater's on the bottom of the coil and it's like a U-shaped heater and it's strapped at the front. So like those ones is what it is. Like bone stuff, I, I don't know if, if you can go the opposite way on like a walk-in coil. I don't know if you can go from gas to electric. I mean that they would probably require a lot of no i wouldn't think it would be too difficult because you know you can use like you know like you said your john's control or your you know like i said your ranko control for the pan fan pan heater i guess they do still have the grooves in the back of the coils yeah what they i mean i don't think they really and does it matter it doesn't matter if it has the grooves or not basically if you had to convert it you know just keep like you said keep the heater there it's not going to do anything bad it's already meant for the same amount of airflow to hot gas and those coils isn't bad I'm talking about going the opposite way, going from hot gas to electric. I guess it would. I guess it would matter if it has the if it has the actual pan loop. Yeah, like which I'm told that, that would probably be a pain in the ass. And the I think the only thing you'd actually honestly technically have to do is you'd have to just change out the whole pan to a regular conventional one piece pan instead of that. You know the 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 double insulated layer. Yeah, the layered crap. You could buy, by the way. So if you have a pan leak. Hmm. Could actually buy conversion kits from them to go mm-hmm. to an electric, electric pan heater. Really, totally worth them up. And they, and they don't pull that much. But what are they, usually they make them the same voltage as the as the evaporator fans, right? For you know, because it's using the same power for fan pan, right? Yeah, it's not much. It's for the for the power savings or whatever, or not running a circuit. I don't think it's worth it. I mm-hmm. think the service calls over time just aren't worth it. It's just more pan ice ups and if they do ice up it's a nightmare to get it out and you can't just send her to jesus with a hammer oh my god <laughs> i can't believe you do that what the pans oh dude i just i get them hot especially like the sam's club the big ones like the costco ones you get them hot you tap on the bottoms with a hammer and I'm not talking like just wailing on it. Like you tap on the bottoms of it, you break it loose from the coil, you drop it down and all the ice just falls right off. Like a happy Gilmore, right? Just tap it in. Just tap it in. And then you lose it and start hitting it like he was driving the balls at the hockey club. <clears throat> Send it to Jesus. All right, guys. That was uh converting cases. Back and forth. Have a nice one. Bye, guys.